Hello, Pond people. This is Historical AF. My name is Natalie. I'm Kina. I'm Shelby. Oh, yeah, that's me. We are <laughs> historian and a librarian and a special guest delivering you the funny, weird, spooky, and morbid historical nugs you never needed in your ear holes. Yeah, we are bringing, you know, good quality professionalism in episode 60. This is Animals Part 2, guys. <sighs> I am nothing if not professional. <laughs> professional. <laughs> Love it. So we are here for some more fun animal history and facts. Oh, I love animals so much. I know. I don't even eat them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel bad about it, but I do. Yeah. I can't know the animal. It's a weird thing. Like if I've known the animal, like my cows growing up and my chickens, I can't eat those. But if I can be detached. I can convince myself that I, it's okay. I am a strange I, individual. I'm the opposite. I have worked with so many farmers. I have had animals. We used to process cows when my ex and I had our farm. So I'm the opposite. I'm like, as there's a quote from Temple Grandin that says, uh, I think it's ethical to use animals as long as we know that we provide them with the best life possible while they are alive and we give them the best dignity we can in death or something along those lines. Um, I love Temple Grandin. So excellent. I I love her so much. She is the one person I would have dinner with if I could like hands down. It's Um, funny. My mom has actually met her. Really? Really? Uh, College with her. My mother was a special education teacher for 15 years or so and she just retired but she went to several workshops where Simple Grandin actually spoke so a few times over the years uh, my mom actually got to meet and talk with her some after seeing her do a presentation and whatnot so it was really cool that's amazing that's like, like, I was kind of jealous yeah yeah <laughs> remarkable like, it's like my only yeah. one name drop I can put out that like hey <laughs> but like hardly anyone knows <laughs> oh man unless they saw the but, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm way into her, so I fall onto the side of I'm okay with animal consumption if I know where it's coming through from. Through, <laughs> from, <laughs> from, okay. through, one. Through. That's I, why I, the cat I, was I, judging I, you. They knew this was coming. I, yeah, I, yeah, no, I was I was trying <laughs> to combine from and through. And it happens. Through. Words are hard. New word. New word. I am a, I am a professional, but. Uh, as long as I know where the, the food is coming from and I try to shop as locally and as, as sustainably as possible, I try to compost and, and do all the like good stuff. Mm-hmm. But I have, I've eaten cows that I have known. I have named cows sirloin with the intent <laughs> purpose of eating them later in their life when they have served their purpose. And I think as long as, and I know this is controversial, but as long as we can give them the very best possible, most comfortable most loved most dignified existence Mm -hmm. i think eating them is okay as long as we process them in a way that is acceptable and delivers the least amount of pain yes i i we do prefer to buy like in bulk like you can buy like half a cow or half a pig or whatever i like doing that because it's like farmers that you can trust and that they don't like mass like giant corporations that just kill cows brutally i hate that i I don't i don't like to eat those it makes me sad like 
I can't. <sighs> in in Vermont, New Hampshire, there is a th- well, mostly Vermont. There is a thing called live kill. This is going to border into the morbid, but <laughs> it is when you sell a cow and there's live kill. And live kill means that what they do, and I was told this by a farmer that processes cows, so I'm going to take it with he knows what he's talking about. Live kill means they chop off their feet and hang them. <sighs> So that they bleed out via their feet. Oh my god. And so I will not eat or support any companies that do that. And I suggest all people <laughs> try to look into where their food comes from. Oh, um, god. I'm a big fan of the bolt gun method because it delivers electric shock and a solid bolt to the brain. Uh, so there's very, very little pain. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of processing plants are designed with Temple Grandin's ideas in mind. That cows like to go to the right. You don't dump them into a giant water bath, which is something they used to do. They used to like, they used to have to like walk off a ledge, drop into water that would submerge them completely, and they would like climb out. They don't do that anymore. Oh, that's so sad. Because Temple Grandin was like, hey, maybe don't do that. Oh, but yeah. So, so I, I recommend, especially dairy and meat. If you can get it local, do it. Yeah. It tastes better. If you get a fat and happy cow, it tastes better. It's also true. And buy in bulk, Mm -hmm. buy a half cow, buy a quarter if you can. Mm -hmm. And it's cheaper in the long run. If you can, you like get a friend space or like you have a friend that has a freezer. Totally do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, That's what we did in Arkansas. We would, a bunch of us would chip in buy a cow yeah. <laughs> we'll just split it but yeah it tastes better you know that they died a little bit more peacefully it's cheaper in the long run yeah that's what we used to do when i grew up but i used to get really attached to my cows i'd like hand feed them yeah. and they were so plump and apparently very tasty but i was like i can't eat blossom i loved her you know i was a very dramatic kid <laughs> shocking I know. my favorite cows at my old job was named blossom ironically oh, yeah. tequila blossom to be Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I named her and then we had Rosie. And then I remember one day I came home from school and I'm like, where's Rosie? And and then nobody said anything. And then I was like, what's for dinner? And my sister's like, Rosie Burgers. And I was like, no, just traumatized me. I hated it. I was like, I will never eat her. And I think I eventually did because, you know, I was a kid and I was like, oh, I just yeah. don't want to not eat. But I was really sad about it. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. So, you know. That started out on a fun, dark death note. Woo! We haven't even started yet. Yeah, That's okay. I, we already did morbid. Like, we already yeah. morbid so. Again, I said I have a couple. I have morbid stories because, again, some some stuff. But that is my plug. Shop local. Get to know a dairy farmer if you can. They're real cool people. I have loved all of the time that I have spent in the agriculture industry, and I encourage everybody to at least learn where your food comes from. Because some big companies are just, they're not doing it right. In Arkansas, like Tyson is the big thing. And I know oh. there were some documentaries that came out about yeah. people sneaking in cameras and seeing what they do to those chickens. And I was like, I can't do that. I can't, I can't buy that anymore. It's too sad. The black fish of chicken. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like they're too fat. They can't even use their legs anymore. And then they just pile them to the point where they're all like, you know, pooping on each other and they're all sick and it's just so sad. I just 
And they have to trim oh, no. their beaks or else they'll cannibalize each other because yeah. chickens are naturally cannibals, which yeah. A, harkens back to their velociraptor roots. But Yes, yes. I have a video. When I was in Arkansas, we had a bunch of chickens. And we couldn't bring them here because I was like, it'd be cruel to put them in a truck for 12 hours. So I was like, we're not going to bring yeah. them. So we gave them to a yeah. friend. But uh, it's like, if you started running, they would start chasing you because they... We just played with them all the time. So he started on one side of the yard and started running. And they were like little velociraptors coming after him. It's one of my favorite videos I have ever taken. Isn't that his picture? It is his profile picture on Facebook. It's him running, being like, ah, and the little velociraptors. But they're so sweet. I love chickens. Like, we'd sit down and they all, like, jump on our lap. And we had one that would knock on the door and come in the house and walk around and then leave. It was amazing. I I loved her. I miss her so I much. A, <laughs> I had a shoulder chicken, a la like like a like a shoulder parrot for like a pirate. But I had a bantam chicken. Her name was Giggles because she couldn't make like a normal chicken noise. She made like a oh. like a chirping, laughing noise, and she just like would take naps with me in my bed, which like I shook. To be fair, my parents were very understanding. I was in high school. I was really into animals. I was a vet tech, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I came home on the bus (laughs) from my school, which was an agricultural high school. So, like, we had animals at the school. I was in a specialized program. It was wicked cool. But I came home on the bus to my parents' house, which is a 45-minute drive. On the bus with a chicken in my sweatshirt. <laughs> and my mom was just like, I guess we gotta buy a chicken coop now. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best story. Oh, they I love that. Picked me up from school one day when I was like staying after for and one of my various activities. And I had a orphaned baby goat in my backpack. <laughs> like, like you do. Like, like, my friend know. showed up with an orphan baby goat, and she was like, I need someone to take this. And I was like, I got this. And <laughs> there are pictures of me in high school with this goat, like, sticking out of my sweatshirt. And my dad picked me up because I had my permit, and he was going to teach me to drive that day. And he, <laughs> my dad grew up on a farm, to preface this, but he picked me up, saw the goat, grabbed the goat, sat in my passenger seat, and had me drive all the way home. Well, he snuggled a goat. Oh, that's precious. <laughs> like, you're 15. You know how to drive. <laughs> you got this. I'm just going to hang out over here with I'm this gonna goat. I'm going to snuggle this orphaned goat. <laughs> and we took care of the goat for like a night. He like ran around in my yard. Like, <laughs> dog. And like, my parents were very understanding. They really were. All <laughs> right. Want to get started? Yes. Okay. Yeah, which one would you like to do? Uh, let's do weird. <laughs> I'm really excited. (laughs) God, I got some weird shit. See, I had a hard time. There was another story I wanted to do really bad, but then we might save it for the sex episode because it involves dolphins and holy shit. But dolphins are fun. They're really cool. Oh man, they're weird. (laughs) They do weird sex stuff. (laughs) I know. There's actually Robin Williams did a documentary, or he like narrated it. I actually watched that several years ago, and it talked sex stuff on there <laughs> as professionally as possible because i think it is for kids so I think yeah what pg but it's on there oh anyway yeah. time. you look like you're about to say something jumpy 
<laughs> I'm trying not to. I don't want to ruin it, but fun fact, dolphins are the only animal besides humans that have sex for pleasure. Yeah. They are, but they are not the only animal in the animal kingdom known to rape. Mm, yeah. Unfortunately, they are the only animal in the animal kingdom known to try to to and successfully rape humans. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's that's where I was gonna do it. I only laugh because of Family Guy. That's only (laughs) yeah. Yeah, my husband likes to tell me things to, like, ruin my life. And one time he was, like, Google dolphin rape cave. And I'm like, what? No, I don't want to do that. What the fuck? <laughs> he was telling me about otters. And I did not realize that otters rape and murder baby seals. And it's ruined my life. So now I've ruined your life. Congratulations. Did you know Yay. that ducks, um, male ducks will rape dead other male ducks? What the fuck, Animal Kingdom? Yeah, they're into rape and necrophilia, so ducks got it going on with that corkscrew dick. Oh my god. They also have a corkscrew penis, just like pigs. I know, isn't it supposed to be super painful? It's like, it's like, I think nature is like fighting them. Like once one gender has something, then the other gender also has some kind of thing, like they should actually reproduce. The duck penis goes one way, and the duck vagina goes the other way like for fertilization of the egg so you can look this up on youtube (laughs) Uh, dangerous there are videos of the like they do it in into like clear tube again i was a vet tech i had to learn this shit i watched science (laughs) yes science it's science it's not a kink not to yuck anybody's yum but science but but yes it is it is science but like it goes one way but the tube goes the other way and like it like bends and like breaks (gasps) it's also barbed (gasps) and i'm just like "Mm, i don't want to be a duck like if reincarnation (laughs) is real can i tick not a duck yeah, on the next one. There needs to be a way for us to just like check off the things. Like, can we please not be these things? Please and thank you. <laughs> I'll be really good if you can promise me I will not be that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So this this is not sex stuff, but it's equally funny. All right. So have weevils destroyed your crops? Have pigs maimed your children? Catch your neighbor boinking a donkey, then take the critters to court. We are going to talk about history of animals being tried for human crimes in actual legal courts. Perfect. I love this. Wow. So I much fun. So you have my attention. <laughs> Pigs, dogs, cows, rats, flies, even caterpillars were arraigned in courts with full ceremony. I wish I could witness one of these. How do you swear in a caterpillar? It has so many arms. So many hands. <laughs> How do you pick which one? I guess maybe like the first one. So many, it's like, put your right hand on. It's like, which? I have ten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So they would even call witnesses. They would have evidence heard on both sides. And they even granted formal legal aid. So somebody's job was to defend a pig. In court. <laughs> I the my my brain, like I'm visually like thinking, oh man, that's just had to have been a good time. How many times do we have to be like, order, stop laughing? This is serious. 
Stop. So a wide range of crimes, including murder, being an accomplice to bestiality, and damage of crops and property were documented throughout history. If found guilty, the larger animals would be punished with execution or exile, whereas the smaller ones would be excommunicated, as in denounced by the Catholic Church. (laughs) I'm sure they were devastated. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm not going to heaven. Uh, I am a caterpillar. (laughs) (laughs) But we got to the rosary real quick. (laughs) So when did these animal trials occur? The trial and punishment of animals did not occur uniquely through the Middle Ages, although that is the most well-known time. And (laughs) they were certainly not the first. For example, the Romans, who now I hate and you will too. So the Romans, <laughs> would, no, sorry, like <laughs> they, they would crucify a dog yearly to commemorate the anniversary of the preservation of the capital from the night attack of the Gauls, which is traditionally regarded to have occurred around the like 390 BCE. So after defeating the Romans at the Battle of Alia, the Gauls proceeded to sack Rome. The capital, or, oh Jesus, word. Oh. God damn it, Italian. Papa something hill. However, it was one of the places that withstood the invaders. So the Gauls decided to put it under siege. Eventually, the Gauls, which if you don't know that, that's just French, uh, found a way to ascend the hill and were detected neither by the guards or the dogs. Fortunately, the Roman defenders were alerted by the movement of the sacred geese of the goddess Juno and they were able to defeat the Gauls. So the geese were hailed as heroes, and then the dogs were punished for neglecting their duty. Hence, they crucify dog every year. Thanks, I hate it. I don't, I don't, no. They don't so, crucify the people that were asleep, apparently. They were people in charge of this. Why are you blaming the dogs? I, God damn I bet it, they were with Scoby geese. Yes. They are guard geese. <laughs> guard geese. It's a thing. Google it. What do you mean? Muscovy geese get to be like f- huge. Their wingspan is like four to six feet or something like that. Oh, wow. I have a friend who their geese attacked a coyote. Wow. And ran the coyote off. So that's really cool. Sacred goose. (laughs) Sacred goose. Sacred goose. (laughs) So in the ancient world, inanimate objects could also be brought to court. For example, the trial and punishment of the statue in Athens. The statue belonged to the Nikon of Thasos, and that was a famous athlete at the time. And it was set up by the Athenians in his honor. Unfortunately, rivals who were jealous do what dumbasses do and decide to go statue tipping. And they tried to <laughs> knock it off the pedestal, you know, because that's going to show them. But, you know, it fell over and it killed one of them. So that's unfortunate. But then the other one took it, the statue to court. <laughs> like they broke the law. To like break the statue, and now they are suing the statue for killing them for breaking them. 
Yay, logic. According to Athenian law, weapons and all other objects that caused the death of a person were to be publicly condemned and thrown beyond the city's boundaries. Thus, the statue was brought before a tribunal, found guilty, and sentenced to be thrown into the sea. This is very extra. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know who defended the statue. That's my question, too, actually. That's right where my head was. Who pulled that short straw Oh man! Oh, it you're was like hear- they're standing in the courtroom, and Jerry pulls the short straw. They're like, "Ha!" Ah. <laughs> there is an instance where the intern, yeah, the intern. There is an instance where somebody like got the short straw, and he actually made a really good case. And we'll get into that. But I guess in that Ooh. part, he was excited that he was able to figure it out. So, anyway, the Middle Ages. Animal trials did take place. We know that happens, but it's really unclear as to how many of them are real. Sarah McDougall, that's a fun word, associate professor at the John Jay College of Criminal Justice, points out that the 19th century scholars who recorded these trials do not provide a whole lot of details. So, it's really difficult for historians to figure out which ones are real and which ones are fake and uh, or fabricated and stuff. So regardless all these trials are a doozy and we're going to talk about a bunch of them the earliest known documentation of medieval animal trials dates to 1266 just nine years before the first documented use of the word cunt so (laughs) we're going to throw that back to the lady bit episode (laughs) i'm sorry mom she hates that word the trial took place in fontenay all rose not far from the french capital of paris and involved a pig accused of committing infanticide aka the crime of killing a child within the year of birth there's a lot of child eating with pigs so i guess you've been warned anyway the pig on trial was suspected of devouring a child and therefore brought to court the trial was overseen by the monks of St. Genevieve, and the animal was found guilty, after which it was sentenced to burn at the stake like a witch. It seems that during the Middle Ages <laughs> it seems that during the Middle Ages it was illegal to execute anyone or anything for that matter without a trial, and therefore animals suspected of committing serious crimes had to be put on trial to be executed. Silly okay. laws. <laughs> that a real quick and possibly real dumb question. Okay. <laughs> I will have a real dumb answer. Shoot. Is this infanticide relating to the pig kin- killing a human child, or yes. it's oh okay? Because mm. pigs do cannibalize their own children, their own yes. offspring. I have seen it. They have, they stomp. They they bite. They throw over fences. So like in. <laughs> I was just confused. I was imagining this pig going to court for its for killing its own babies. Like, <laughs> uh, I didn't see any of that. There was just a lot of instances of pigs eating people. And uh, that's mean, why yeah. I mentioned a few weeks ago okay. that when I was Googling how long does it take a pig to eat a person, I was like, I'm going to be on a list. <laughs> own a, if you are a serial killer, own a pig farm. Right? And they you can eat it fast. Yeah, and yeah. they they will eat the bones too. Like mm-hmm. take them. the other option, as I learned in college. <laughs> I nobody was murder, to be fair. But I did make a pact with one of my research professors that if I ever killed someone, we would throw them in what is called the shit pit. Oh, 
it's basically just the refuse uh, container where all of the liquid and solid waste from a cow goes. It's emptied roughly every 10 years, and the bacterial load in it will devour a human skeleton. So by the time they empty it, they will think that the human is rat bones. Oh. Uh, and you can make someone disappear real quick. Um, legally, we should probably say don't do that. Don't sue us if you do yes. that. You get caught, <laughs> don't sue us. <laughs> Do not recommend is is not a good idea. Don't do it. Oh, that that is a fun fact. We actually had somebody on a mini guy recently that worked at a body farm, and she was talking mm-hmm. about the different that ways that they set bodies out and see how they decompose. I'm sure she'd find that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> like add a shit pit. Let's see what happens. Oh. <laughs> All right. Okay, so, so we have funding for that. I can just yeah. That. We need funding. And we need to figure out what happens. So over the years, scholars have put forward their theories as to why these animal trials existed. One explanation, for instance, is that some animals were believed to have moral agency and therefore, like human beings, could be held responsible for the crimes they committed. So when an animal was brought before court, it was treated as a human being and the strictest legal procedures were adhered to. So as to endow the whole affair with a somber atmosphere. In some cases, oh god, this is so good. In some cases, the animals were dressed up like humans. Is this what is that book? The animal form or animal? Oh man, this is the best thing. Yes. For instance, in the execution of a pig commented of another infanticide in 1386. (laughs) So, the pig was dressed in a waistcoat, gloves, and a (laughs) pair of drawers. (laughs) Oh my god. And they put a human mask on his head. What? A little cherry on top, you know? What are humans doing here? God damn. Oh, maybe they were just so bored. (laughs) They didn't have TV. Maybe that's what this was. They were just bored. (laughs) TV saved the planet. (laughs) Yes. Many (laughs) other theories have been put forward to explain this occurrence. One of these, for instance, suggests that the medieval Europeans believed that authority over animal kingdom was conferred on mankind by God and that putting animals on trial was a way of asserting this authority. And it's also been suggested that during the 12th and 13th centuries, the development of the legal system led to like an overflow of courts and lawyers, and therefore they were bored. There was not enough work to go around, so they decided <laughs> animals were committing crimes. Why not have some more you know, courts going around? So I find that an interesting theory. <laughs> and then another suggestion states that medieval lawyers saw the animal trials as an opportunity to show off their mental dexterity as they had a chance to come up with some really ingenious arguments to defend their clients. As seen with Bartholomew Chassenet, a French jurist <laughs> who lived in the 15th and 16th century. So he was a defense lawyer for a bunch of rats who were charged with eating and destroying the local barley. Naturally. On the day of the trial... The rats failed to turn up to court, <laughs> as expected. So Chesney came up with this really brilliant argument to excuse them. He said that since the rats were moving from one village to another, they probably didn't receive the summons to court. <laughs> <laughs> and even if they did receive the summons, they might have been afraid to obey it because they were afraid of all the cats on the way to court. That's fair. This is official 
documentation. <laughs> the lawyer elaborated on this point and concluded that his clients may legally refuse to appear in court if their safety could not be guaranteed. <laughs> Finally, the judges were forced to drop the case because they never couldn't refute his argument or persuade the villagers to keep their cats indoors. <laughs> I love this so much. <laughs> with ankle bracelets. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. Of all the animals, the pig was the most commonly tried animal during the Middle Ages. And it's probably because pigs were given a lot more freedom to roam, you know, the streets. Mm-hmm. And they also existed in much greater n- numbers than other animals. Famously, in 1457, seven pigs in... Oh, shit. I hate French words. I butcher them. Seven... Seven... France? Sorry. Sorry, French people. We tried... They were tried for the murder of a five-year-old boy. So now the kids are getting older. Killed two babies. Now we're moving on to five years old. The proceedings were complete with a defense attorney for the pigs and a judge who ultimately ruled that because the people witnessed one of the seven pigs attack the boy... Only one would be sentenced to death by hanging. And then the rest, rest were let go. I mean. <laughs> Another stupid question. How do you yeah. hang a pig? Because it doesn't really. They don't really a have neck. a neck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They tried. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I saw like drawings and it looked like it was like the mom pig and it was like all the babies around it watching it be executed and I'm like I hope this won't really happen because that's really fucked but who's the farmer that's like yeah my pigs like (laughs) they're not guilty whatever guys have a pork chop (laughs) yeah I guess if you hang the pig you could eat it if you burn it like a witch you can't eat that so that's just a waste I guess that's true Maybe. I don't know. So moral of my segment, I guess, is don't leave your kids around pigs. I don't know. Fair. Anyway, so it'd be a shame not to mention some of those smaller little animals. <laughs> in 1474, a court in the Swiss city of Basel, which I'm absolutely sure I pronounced that wrong, sentenced a rooster to burn at the stake for, quote, heinous and unnatural crimes of laying an egg. Did it ever occur to anybody that the rooster the might have been a girl? <laughs> <laughs> so it was a hen. According to medieval belief, an egg laid by a rooster would hatch either into a basilisk or a cockatrice, both of which were extremely dangerous creatures. While these monsters are believed to have existed, no one expected to come across a rooster that laid eggs, thus making the 1474 trial in Basel an exceptional one. To be a fly on the wall in these times. <laughs> This is the beginning of transphobia. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Other animals that were tried during the Middle Ages include bulls, dogs, and goats. One of the weirder examples were some dolphins. (laughs) (laughs) Apart from stating that the animals were tried and executed in Marseille? 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 Yes, I know I've heard that word, but the spelling. French words don't look what... 
What's happening? It's so confusing. Anyway, 1596, there's no actual details of, like, what happened in this court. And it really pissed me off. Because I need details. I need to know what the Dolphins did. I need to know who the defense attorney was. I need to know what the defense defense case was. I was very disappointed. So if there's a library somewhere that has this information, please email us. <laughs> I need to know. And then this was really fun. In 1451, some leeches were in a pond in Switzerland, and some guy thought there were too many leeches in said pond, and he took these leeches to court. You know, like you do. And <laughs> when it comes to ecclesiastical court cases against animals, it's not normally customary for the offending animals to be present, apparently. Yet the bishop was instructed to bring all the slimy creatures to this church so that they could be served their sentence. The leeches were gathered in a pile before the court and were told that they had three days to leave the area. Apparently, they didn't listen. The initial threat in the case of God versus leeches, for some reason, didn't work. And the court responded in kind by taking another course of logical legal action. They performed an exorcism <laughs> on the leeches. That makes such perfect sense. Like, oh, my gosh. I know. That's the next logical step. Granted, the leeches didn't pack their shit as much as they just died. So, I guess there's no more leeches in that pond. True. So, win-win, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Waste of holy water. Oh, man. Well, and both parties. Leeches. Yeah, and leeches. And you know, this is the Middle Ages. And stuff? Yes, it was they, the Middle Ages. Them for medicine. Why were they like, this is too many leeches? Why didn't they call a doctor? They were like, hey. <laughs> your medical supplies and you don't need a scalpel we got some like bitey slugs yes oh man that's one of my favorite parts about outlander <laughs> is that she's <laughs> like stop using leeches for fuck's sake <laughs> like yes. stop it man. <laughs> so while both parties i.e the human and animal could be sentenced to death the latter has an opportunity to be spared punishment as we argue that the animal did not consent and therefore it was not its fault such was the case when Jacques Ferron, a Frenchman, got caught banging a female donkey in 1750. Both parties were tried, and the prosecution asked for the death sentence for both the dude and the donkey. While Ferron was sentenced to death by burning at the stake, the donkey was set free on the basis that she had not participated in this crime of her own free will. Also, <laughs> the parish priest had testified on the donkey's good character, saying that he had known her for four years and that she was virtuous and well-behaved and she had never given occasion of scandal to anyone. <laughs> I don't know if I should be, like, really happy for that or appalled and ashamed. What was this guy's first name? Jacques. <laughs> Jack. Yes. Americanized. Jack. <laughs> a male donkey is a Jack. So Jack oh. the donkey. Wow. That's oh, just the symmetry. Oh. It's coming <laughs> together beautifully. It's literally a, a Jack or a Jacques. <laughs> oh. oh my god. Man, but don't worry, the end of the medieval period was not the end of animal trials. There is one in Hartpool, and uh it's about a monkey and allegedly occurred during the Napoleonic Wars. The story goes that a French ship was wrecked off the coast of Hartpool in County Durham, England, and only one survivor was a monkey, who was the ship's mascot. The people of this 
town mistook the animal for a French spy. Okay. Because they thought the monkey's chattering sounded like French. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds kind of like prejudice. Oh, kind of it does. Like I love French. I love the language. I can't speak it to save my life. I took a semester in college and all it comes out is hillbilly. And I'm like, it's so beautiful. What is happening? Anyway, therefore, the monkey was put on trial, found guilty of espionage, and hung on the beach. Okay, that's not funny. While some believe that the hanging of the monkey did occur, others are less sure about it. In any case, the story has become attached to this area, and it's been part of the city's lore ever since. Ever since. I almost feel bad for that city. Like, I wonder what they think about it. (sighs) That's really mean. Monkeys are really human-like, so I think that would be more sad to see a monkey hang than a pig. Or maybe, I don't know, there's no neck, so the pig probably suffered more. I don't know. This is a weird thing to think about. <laughs> Hanging is is most accurate. And again, I will unleash my morbid knowledge. <laughs> Hanging is most mostly reliant, not on suffocation, but on the dislocation of neck vertebrae. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. I would guess as long as a pig, and definitely a monkey, has a pronounced jaw? The hanging would be quick. Okay. But like, well, believe it, a it's pig over. is a meat cylinder. Like, yeah. like That's pigs good. are are like like a sausage with legs. Yes. So I I imagine, especially if it had the babies around it, it was painful and slow and not fun. Yeah. And its farmer was probably like very depressed. Probably. Because they're well, that, super intelligent. They are very smart. And it makes me so very smart. sad. But my next monkey story is funnier. So this one Ooh. doesn't die. And then in 1877, another monkey had a bad day. This time it involved an altercation between a woman named Mary, a monkey named Jimmy, and then an ensuing court case. One day, Jimmy the monkey was dancing a jig. Because obviously, why wouldn't you be? And Mary decided to give him a piece of candy as a token of her appreciation. Once Jimmy began to chow down on some sweet, sweet candy, Mary tried to have a little fun and tried taking the candy away from Jimmy. Don't do that, Mary. That's Mm -hmm. fucked up. Yeah. Jimmy, quote, thereupon assumed a decidedly aggressive attitude and bit Mary's finger. Completely valid reaction. I would bite you too. Don't eat my candy. Oh, for sure. Thousand percent. Sadly, Jimmy was arrested and to court he went. (laughs) Upon hearing the case, the judge stated, quote, if Mr. Darwin were here and prosecutor in this case, he might succeed in convincing me that the statutes authorizing me to hold a criminal monkey is valid. But I do not think I can legally commit him, end quote. The merry lady protested, but to no avail. Jimmy removed his velvet hat, climbed atop the judge's desk, and attempted to shake his hand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, shit. I just... uh, Hold on. What'd you do? I just pulled out my headphones. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I hear anything. And although a lot of this couldn't be backed up by official documents... This is a lot of hearsay. <laughs> the police blotter for this case read, quote, name, Jimmy Dilio, occupation, monkey, disposition, discharged. <laughs> 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 Actual occupation. police 
was just monkey, not even dancing monkey. Ugh. Like, respect the work he has put in. Yes. Respect. <laughs> I know, he's a career. Come on. <laughs> so, anyway, in a way, I find it interesting that a lot of these instances are talking about animals as being human-like and that they can suffer pain and that they're aware of their actions, which is pretty similar to what we say now, you know? I mean, we're not trying them in court, but, like, today we're like, animals have pain and they have feelings and stuff, so I guess this might be the one instance ever the Middle Ages might have been ahead of their time. Everything else, like the peeing in the streets and the not drinking water thing, not smart, but thinking animals have feelings, that was pretty smart. So you get one point, Middle Ages. I have another fun word, another $5 (laughs) word for for that, for attributing human interaction uh, feelings, you know, whatever, to animals. It's called anthropomorphizing. Yes, I learned that in art history. Did you? Mm -hmm. That's that's super fun. But I I love love that word. If anybody's ever read the book Chosen by a Horse... Mm-hmm. That word. It's it's a great book for it's sad. Do not go into it thinking you're gonna have fun. But <laughs> <laughs> but I highly recommend because it does anthropomorphize a horse to the point that you you cry. <laughs> you cry. And I do have a copy sitting on my bookshelf. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> I have read probably seven times at least. But anthropomorphize the animals. Do it. I highly recommend. Oh, yeah. Mine are my children. So a thousand percent I have done that. They are people. Yes. I was like, where are they? They're on both sides of me. They're being very quiet today. It's very sweet. So what do you got, Natalie? Is it funny? Is it sad? Should I brace myself? No, neither. With being historical, I just looked up the animals that live the longest because I thought that was cool. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. And I also saw the world's oldest animal discovery. And I, when I saw the name of it, that's why I'm like, I have to click on this. And, I wish <laughs> you could about this. and then we'll jump to the 11 animals that live forever. Oh, okay, cool. For a super long time. The name of this is Dickinsonia. <laughs> or at least I that's how if I sounded out that's what we're gonna call it dick so this yeah. dick animal <laughs> is the oldest discovery <laughs> and we don't have the whole picture of it but it's just a fat cell of it a little fat cell and it's 558 million years old wait, wait what wait, wait it's still alive no. Oh. Alive. It's a fossil. Oh, okay. I was about. I was it's about the oldest say. animal discovery. Okay. I. Oh, okay. I am smart. I promise. <laughs> yeah. No. The other the the ones I'm going to list after this those are alive. Oh, okay. Okay. This one is a fossil. It's the oldest animal discovery, that and is... it's a little fat cell, and it's supposed to. It's almost like an amoeba. Like they're not sure exactly what it is, but it's supposed to be oh, like that. beginnings of evolution or something. That is so That's old. Can you imagine me and the people that think that uh, Jesus is when the earth started? Like, how do you even justify something that old? <laughs> like, that's oh, just... I know people that don't believe that it, dinosaurs are real. That's just... Oh, man. It's just kind of sad. It is. Yeah. But that's it like... It has a Wikipedia page. <laughs> 
Man, that's amazing. Where is it? Does it say where it's at? Is it in a museum somewhere? Uh, I I don't think yet, but we look. It originated in Australia. Oh, wow. Russia, a bilaterally symmetrical ribbed oval. Oh, see, why isn't it like an ovary? Oh, oh. Ova, isn't that? I love that they found cholesterol, a cholesterol molecules on it. So, like, (laughs) it's cholesterol. (laughs) It has high cholesterol. Well, it's rank animala. So, like, it is an. It's classified as an animal. It's not classified as like a like a a amoeba or protozoa or anything. That's so cool. yeah, when I, when I said amoeba, it's like the beginning stages or like when they were first mm-hmm. searching it. And they were like trying to figure what figure out what this is. But it looks like an amoeba. Yeah. Yeah. So they haven't quite figured it out yet, but. That's cool. So, I'm going to deep dive on that later. Tomorrow. Yeah, that's so interesting. But so animals that are alive today, one is the Greenland shark. It's okay. I just saw this pop up on my Facebook timeline and I was like, there's no way that thing. It looks <laughs> old. <laughs> yeah, it can live up to 272 years at least. It probably could actually live longer. Jesus. Um, that seems can you imagine me in that old? At what point are you just like, just let me die? <laughs> like, well, I've noticed I'm tired. a trend. I noticed a trend, of course, like the colder something is, usually the longer it lives. Mm-hmm. Like things that live in deep cold water tends to live longer, probably because their heart rate is a lot slower. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And depending on just how their body is and even maybe the size, too, because most of the animals on this list are relatively small and a lot do live in the water. Hmm. And the shark one is probably the most impressive one because, like, the next one is geoducks, which is basically like a giant clam. And I, I have trouble thinking of clams as living things, but they are. And they can live up to at least 160 years. Jesus. Wait, Godoks can live that long? Wait, can you see this? Okay, that that's the one I saw on Facebook. It says that they think he's 512. That's awesome. Man, that thing has seen some shit. He looks so That's old. what I wonder all the time. Like, what have they seen? Like, what's what changes have they made? <laughs> Yeah, like the corpse. Wait, I didn't know Gooducks could be like 160 because they're the penis clams, right? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) they're like long. Like, oh, they're old. (laughs) (laughs) They have old dicks. (laughs) Well, I mean, it makes sense when you take them out of the. I don't know if you've watched the videos on Facebook of like people preparing Mm -hmm. them, but when they prepare them, they like pull them out of the water and they're all shriveled up and wrinkly. <laughs> and then they put them like on a shelf so they can relax and like distend themselves. <laughs> and they become like a long phallic shaft of clam. Wow. But I didn't realize they were 160 year old phallic shafts of wrinkly clam dick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna name the episode that. <laughs> I want merch that says wrinkly clam dick. Like a pair of underwear just like across the front wrinkly clam dick. <laughs> Writing that down? 
Wow. I will buy it. If no one else buys it, I will buy it. <laughs> Next up is the Tuatara, which is basically like a lizard. Oh. oh. It's almost considered a dinosaur in the fact that considered it's surviving members were really actually flourished 200 million years ago. So these are actually one of the few animals that haven't really evolved or changed much over the years. Oh, that's cool. It, wow. it can live up to 100, 200 years as well. Man. Wow. Uh, that's really interesting that it's not really evolving too. That's Yeah, like, it's like, no, I'm good. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm perfect, bitch. Leave me alone. <laughs> Done. If and it actually just looks like a little, it looks like a dinosaur, a little lizard dinosaur. It's cool. Uh, next up is tube worms, and these aren't don't really look awesome at all. They're like water bamboo, basically, with little floral tufts at the top. Okay, I think there was a thing, there was like an aquarium in like Japan or something, and they wanted people to FaceTime the tube worms because they were lonely because they weren't getting visitors. And they're used to like the interaction of people, and they just sit there with their little tubeness, being like, oh. <laughs> and there's like nobody. It's a little sad. I know. I should FaceTime them. <laughs> I'm going to write a note <laughs> FaceTime some tube worms tomorrow. Hey, y'all. Future Kina here. I'm a dumbass. Those aren't tube worms I'm talking about. They're shy eels. <laughs> Huge difference. My bad. Sorry. Okay. Take it away, past Kina, Shelby, and Natalie. Um, well, they live along the hydrocarbon vents on the ocean floor. Yeah. And they can live up to 170 years. But I scientists know. actually think they can live up to more than 250. Wow. wow. Red sea urchins oh. is another one. And it's basically, you know, just a spike ball. I'm pretty much like this. The only way I can really, I mean, it's an urchin. And it's found in the Pacific Ocean, primarily along the west coast of North America. And it lives in shallow, sometimes rocky waters. And they also can live to 200 years old. Wow. A lot of these are like invertebrates. Is that like mm-hmm. a theme, I guess? I have been stabbed water, so. by one of those. Yeah, and they're also all in water. We're screwed. Yeah. We got spines yeah. and we're on land. We shall die. Yeah, I think so far the lizard is the only one... The Tuatara is the only one that does that live in water, though, said. The bowhead whales, they live in the Arctic. They're Arctic whales. And they are by far the longest living mammal on Earth. Ooh, that's interesting. I didn't know they have have ivory spears still lodged in their flesh from failed attempts by whalers. So they actually can survive. They're, like, super tough, basically. Um, oh, yes. like they found a 200 the oldest whale ever known from this species is 211 years old found chunks of spears in it wow so, like, a badass like warrior whale fuck you and fuck you and your whaling ships <laughs> i need that t-shirt warrior whale that's what i yes. want could you imagine being that whale like you're 100 years old you get stabbed you're like Eh. I you wasn't doing anything. Years, and then you finally, hopefully, pass from natural causes. Yeah. With just Man. like a literal antique piece of history <laughs> inside of your body that you're just like, fuck it, it's mine now. Yeah, that is so wild. 
Oh, this one I had no idea about. And that's koi, koi fish. Oh, really? They're so common, but they can live up to 200 years. Well. Some of the varieties, not like all of them, but several, though. Wow. I I know they can get enormous. I didn't know that. Wow, that's really cool. Uh, The oldest known koi was the Hanako, a fish that died at age 226. On July seventh, nineteen seventy-seven, I lived That's an old fish. That is a really old fish. That's a super old fish. Wow. Better now that we can be warrior whale twinsies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, weird though. Tortoises. I think tortoises are probably like the most common known to be super old because I mean, like, hello, the islands and whatnot. And so they live to about 250 and whatnot. I saw a photo. It was like turn of the century, right? When cameras became a thing. Somebody took a picture with the tortoise. And then they recently like just took a picture with the same tortoise. Like a hundred something years later. I'm like, that is just <laughs> so cool. Wow, I just, I don't understand seeing life that much change. Because I think of how much change has happened within my my mom's lifetime, our lifetime. Yeah. And it's just, it just blows my mind. And I'm a little jealous because I would love to actually see all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I learned so much. <laughs> I just have a few more and that is ocean quahog. And, and I didn't realize quahog is really a thing. <laughs> family guy, family but everybody guy. is a clam, and I know they have clam episodes all the time. Oh, so that is that's actually a thing. Cool, but they can live up to 400. 400? Yep, holy shit! Oh, and, I spelled that wrong so bad. Oh, yeah, and, <laughs> and that's how I knew how to pronounce it is because of family guy. Hopefully, family guy's pronouncing it right. The quahog, holy shit. Antarctic sponge, and this is perhaps due to the extremely low temperatures of the Antarctic Ocean. This immobile creature has an extremely slow growth rate, and it is considered the oldest specimen. It is 1,550 years old. Is this an impressive animal? No, but (laughs) yes. It, it looks like a, a a fish dandelion. Like it looks like a little sea dandelion. It's just a little white cauliflower with lots of little poofs all around it. And how, it's this uh, stable, the Antarctic sponge. How, how do you even figure out how old that is? Like you count rings in it, like a tree. I don't. <laughs> it's so I don't know, old. Man, I just, you can tell I'm, I'm a librarian. I know how to find information, but I don't know the information. <laughs> <laughs> Last one is the, oh, this one's actually the first one. I'm like, oh, at first it looks like Dorito, but it's not. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it is Torito Psy or Toritus. And it's a type of jellyfish. Oh. And it might be the only animal in the world to have truly discovered the fountain of youth since it's capable of cycling from a mature adult stage to an immature stage and back again 
there may be no natural limit to its lifespan because they are able to bypass death. The number of individuals is spiking. Huh. Huh. So this jellyfish just keeps kind of skipping. Benjamin Button it? (laughs) Yeah. And just starts getting old and they're like, Ah, to be young again and then like let's start all right another round bitches and it just keeps going over <laughs> and over wow that's Can insane that with like my fat <laughs> <laughs> do that well, with like, me <laughs> like we could regenerate to the, the first time we thought we were fat i was so skinny back then the first time i thought i was fat oh, Can I I started, yeah. 14 again because i weighed 63 pounds <laughs> I've I don't think I've ever weighed 63 pounds even at like birth. <laughs> I am a very large human. I have always been very tall. <laughs> I was like 22 inches like coming out, so I've stood no chance. Man, those are so interesting. It's really interesting what only like two of them were on land. The tortoise. Yes, the, the tortoise the and the tuatara, which is oh, the lizard. Everything else is so, and the tortoise. And I know the tortoise has a very slow heart rate. I don't know mm-hmm. about the lizard. Probably, yeah, because they're cold blooded. So most likely, yeah. and it's so small. So I don't know. Usually, large yeah. animals don't live as long. All cold blooded, or like water dwellers. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, wow. Water is the key. Huh. Fountain of youth. That's I know that jellyfish and the other one, the uh, Antarctic sponge. <laughs> like I said, it doesn't. It's not cool. It's not like a shark or something. That's like it doesn't even move. It's stationary. It's almost like a plant, but it's actually edible oh. though. I'm sure they don't have like a cognitive cog awareness words, yeah. but like, can you imagine me a thousand years old being like, "Fuck, I can't even move. Been here forever." I hate my life. And then he can't maybe, die. I don't know. Maybe they just like to people watch. Maybe. I mean, like, I mean, hopefully they have a good view. Can you imagine if you were that sponge looking up at, like, the bottoms of boats and it went from, like, <laughs> coconut raft? <laughs> to, like, then you saw colonial ships and, like, wood and you were like, okay, they're figuring it out. And then now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Oh Better Natalie God. says humans haven't taken over the water yet. I'm like, that is very true. That's, That's true. Yeah. Natalie's sure. critters have Do lives- we know less about the ocean than we do about space at this yeah. point? Yeah. Like, what? Ocean is terrifying. Cool. There's like there that can eat us, and we don't even know they exist yet. That is terrifying. True. I don't know. Cucumbers are just a tube and they live forever. <laughs> I don't know. Which one would you be more afraid? Would you be afraid to go to like, the bottom of the ocean or go into space? Bottom of the ocean. Have you seen Megalodon, the Meg? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's exactly why I'm not fucking, I'm not screwing around with the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Man, last time I went to the ocean, I was, like, swimming and, like, the sun was going down. And, like, I was like, man, there's, like, 
in the movie this is the moment with the like the shark mm-hmm. eats you or something at the moment zeke was like oh, i didn't get a refill and i'm like fuck that you're not leaving me here by myself and then like the next day i saw the news that there was a shark attack on that beach and i was like god damn it i knew it i sensed it <laughs> <laughs> what is the movie um She's a surfer. The girl is a surfer. She loses one arm to a shark attack. Soul surfer? Yes. Yeah. And then she ends up going back to surfing. Yeah, yeah. Like, and yeah, she's a real person. She still surfs. Yeah, she is. And she wins competition. She's like wicked good. But mm-hmm. I can't imagine how just brave and amazing you have to be to get attacked by a shark in the water save yourself like because she was in the water nobody was around she had to get herself back to the beach save herself and then be amputated and then be like all right let's go back in the water like (laughs) to deal with but she went back yeah I mean, I guess space, there's nothing that's trying to eat you that we know of. True. I mean, there's some, like, predator shit out there, I'm sure. Yeah, but, like, space, I'm afraid of heights, so I think getting to space would be the thing I don't like. Maybe once I was there, I'd be less scared that... Yeah, I think being in space would be less scary than being on the bottom of the ocean. Getting to space would be more scary. All right, so, my last story is spooky. I'm gonna talk about hellhounds! Nice. So hellhounds have a long history around the world and have been in folk stories way before the Bible. So I thought that was pretty interesting. A lot of people relate it to the Bible and the devil. So this was around way before then. The first known written text describes a hellhound in England in 1127. And it was in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle. They called it a black shuck which is Old English for devil. And it was in Petersboro. Um, a lot of this is like English names. I'm a butcher and I'm so sorry. Immediately after the arrival of Abbot Henry of Pontois to the Abbey of Peterborough, there was quite a ruckus quote. Let no one be surprised at the truth of what we are about to relate For it was common knowledge throughout the whole country that immediately after his arrival, a strange thing happened. It was the Sunday when they sing, many men both saw and heard a great number of huntsmen hunting. The huntsmen were black, huge, and hideous, and rode on the black horse and on black he goats. (laughs) A lot of these old-timey people say he goats and she goats. Yeah, And their hounds were jet black with eyes like saucers and horrible. This was seen in the very deer park of town of Petersboro and in all the woods that stretch from the same town to Stamford. And in the night, the monks heard them sounding and winding their horns. So it's very, when I first read this, I was like, what the fuck are they talking about a huntsman? But they're talking about the hellhound. So not confusing at all. At all. Quote, reliable witnesses who kept watch in the night declared that there might as well have been as many as 20 or 30 of them winding their horns as near as they could tell. And it was seen and heard from the time of his arrival through Lent and right up until Easter. So about 50 days they're being terrorized by hellhounds. And so the descriptions of the black shuck. Anyone who saw the black shuck described a large dog with black mangy fur. 
These dogs would supposedly be larger than normal, and some were as big as a horse. They were foaming at the mouth as if they were deranged, rabid, or ravenous, and they were hunting for their next meal. According to one description published in 1901, said, quote, He takes the form of a huge black dog and prowls along lanes of lonesome field footpaths where, although his howling makes the hearer's blood run cold, his footfalls makes no sound. But such an encounter might bring you the worst of luck. It is even said that to meet him is to be warned of your own death will occur by the end of the year. So you would do well to shut your eyes if you hear him howling. Shut them even if you're uncertain whether it's a dog fiend or the voice of the wind you hear. You may perhaps doubt his existence and like other learned folks tell us that the story is nothing but the old myths, but we know the truth. It's very ominous. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want one. It sounds very like snuggly. I, yeah. <laughs> I love big dogs. <laughs> the most distinctive characteristic is the eyes. They were said to be really, really big and red. And they kept on tolling them as big as saucers. Also, these hellhounds were also said to appear suddenly and without warning. Then they disappear as quickly as they arrive. And if you did catch a glimpse of one, it was believed to be either a protective spirit or the portent of death. So that's very, I guess, a coin flip. (laughs) Good luck or you're dead. Good luck or you're dead. You don't know. And it could also mean that a family guardian was watching over everyone, or it could be a warning of certain doom. So maybe if you're mind England, which one is it? Good luck, bad luck. Good luck, dead. I don't know. Regardless, <laughs> people were scared shitless. But I found a lot more stories of hellhounds. So here's a few more. Uh, the most famous story of the Black Shuck appearance is Reverend Abram Fleming of Bun. Okay, it looks like Bungay. I don't know if that's what it is. But it's modern day Suffolk, Suffolk, Suffolk. Why can't that come out right? And he wrote a terrifying account of the Hellhounds attack on the church in 1577. And in his essay, A Strange and Terrible Wonder, quote, the black dog or the devil (laughs) running all down the body of the church with great swiftness and incredible haste. Among the people, an invisible form and shape passed between two persons as they were kneeling upon their knees and occupied in prayer as it seemed. He wrung the necks of them both in one instant. I don't know what that word is. Klein backward in so much that at the moment they kneeled, they were strangely died. So that's not great. You don't <laughs> want to die in church. As for accounts of more recent sightings, one man in 1905 claimed that a black dog turned into a donkey and then vanished. That's fun. A four-year-old girl during World War II encountered a large black dog that walked from her window around her bed, made eye contact with her with the famous red eyes, and then vanished. And then she noted that she didn't sleep very well at night. (laughs) Well, no shit. A 10-year-old boy in 1974 wrote about an encounter he had when he was six. He said that he saw a black animal with yellow eyes galloping towards him at night. After he screamed for his mother, she said it was merely a reflection of a car's headlights from the outside the window. The boy read a story about a haunted council house and a black dog spirit, and he became convinced that his original account is a giant black dog, and that was the truth. In the Appalachian Mountains of the U.S., uh, they have a lot of reports of hellhounds, especially in Kentucky and West Virginia. So that's like the hub of the U.S. Who knew? 
Reports go back for some quite time, with some early accounts as early as the 17th century of great black dogs with glowing eyes terrorizing the region, and some accounts have continued on in the recent times. In Kentucky, there have been long reports of massive black dogs measuring about four feet high at the shoulder and seven feet long. That was very Damn. large. <laughs> Gosh. It's like a demonic wiener dog. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, around the thir- 1930s and 40s, they reported this dog massacring the cattle and sometimes even humans. So that's unfortunate. Poor cows. And cows get like it all. They get the alien shit. They get the hellhounds. That's true. Poor cows. Yeah. On the East Coast, there's an account from... Oh, that was the East Coast. What am I... <laughs> Go home, Keeney, you're drunk. Okay, so from Connecticut, there's a witness on the site, Real Unexplained Mysteries. So this is a real reliable source. And it claims <laughs> <laughs> that they lived in an apartment that was haunted by shadow people and the apparition of some sort of massive spectral hound. The thing would first appear one night looming over the bed, and she would describe it, the tearing, ex- terrifying experience as, quote, I woke with it over my then-boyfriend. It was very immense. Stands like a human, has red eyes, long pointy nails. The hands are not like ours, but like paws. It has a very unique snout, more pronounced than a canine. It is no dog, but a beast. I warded it off. I had so much fear, and I hovered over my boyfriend, almost like a dog. I told myself, no fear. I can't even explain this immense anger I felt. It does not speak like us, but more like a mind. Almost perception. I growled like in my mind. I remember thinking, stay away. And that's when the anger swept over me. It backed up and vanished in a wall. I wish I could say that it was a happy ending, but it wasn't. I started having night terrors. (laughs) That was a wild ride. As someone who hearkens from Connecticut. (laughs) Can confirm. It is the birthplace of the spiritual cat. Ke- ke- oh, wow. The spiritual Karen. <laughs> we shall call her Diane. And Karen, <laughs> but believes in ghosts. Oh, some of these are just so funny to me. I'm like, you're so extra, but I'm just like hearing voice. And she's like growled in her mind and it went away. I'm like, okay. If I she- saw a baby ghost dog about to eat my husband i don't think i would growl in my head to get rid of it it's not the first no. thought I or like the 10th thought i yeah. <laughs> I'd really just be like what you doing <laughs> it's not me god i just love these in 2012 a man in detroit says he witnessed a hailhound. He claims that one evening he was driving through his neighborhood after leaving his girlfriend's house around midnight when he saw a streak of movement coming from someone's backyard and he described it as being a very large and very well beautiful <laughs> I can't even say that straight. Well built creature. <laughs> like think? stacked? Yeah. <laughs> like he immediately stopped his car in order to get a view of the thing, and he was first very impressed with how incredibly fast and apparently stacked it was. He estimated that it was about 40 to 50 miles per hour. He observed it for a moment before it streaked out of view. 
and he would describe it as, quote, the creature was very large. If I had to compare it to the size of another animal, I would say it's about the size of an adult lion. The body type appears to be that of a dog, although I've never seen a breed of dog that size. Quotation, it says, and there's absolutely no wild stray dogs in that area, which I doubt. There's stray dogs everywhere. It had a pitch black coat, and while I could slightly make out the shape of its head from the side, I never saw its eyes or mouth. And when it ran past my headlights initially, I never really acknowledged my presence. It did not turn around. It did not look at me. It did not slow down. So that's not very uh, fun for him. But he says, I feel very confident that this was a hellhound. It was not looking for me, but I'm not sure who it was looking for. <laughs> Man. Where was this? Oh, like, yes. This was Detroit. Like, I don't know. I think that he had a lot of uh he was very impressed with his muscles. He kept talking about that. Hmm. I don't know. That wouldn't be the thing that I think of. If I see a devil hound coming at my car, that's, I'm not gonna be impressed by his muscles. This I is uh, Joe Exotic part one because he has a <laughs> reference for how big an adult lion is. <laughs> so in Wisconsin, where my husband's from, there's been many reports emanating from a place called Mer- Meridian Island from the oh on the Chippewa River, which according to a few witnesses' accounts seem to be prowled by some sort of beast. One report comes from a young couple named Shelly and Chris Wiener. <laughs> Uh, that's why I picked the story. Who were in the island's boat landing looking for a secluded spot when a thick fog or mist began to form out of nowhere. And they were just like set upon with an inexplicable dread. You know, that just oh. sounds like you do. Yeah, like you And then they heard something moving about and growling in a menacing fashion. So just out of their peripheral vision, they saw a big shadowy figure that was as big as a bear and with two glowing red eyes. I I don't like that. I don't like that. <laughs> no. Like it has control over fog now. That's fun. <laughs> it's a water bender. <laughs> On another occasion, two men named Mike and Jeremy were in the same area and they too felt a sudden onset of dread and witness a fog congeal out of nowhere. And then they were apparently Spotting a large black hound with matted, filthy hair, which gave chase as they ran away. I I don't believe you too that you're faster than a hellhound. Lies. No. Mm-hmm. They only oh apparently God. managed to evade it when they got in their car and locked the doors. After which, it meandered off into the wilderness and vanished. <laughs> so they locked the doors, and it was just like, eh. I tried. Yeah. And it, and it just you won this round. <laughs> Was that me? That's what it sounds like me. Again, fight or eat. Like, depending on the car, it's probably bigger than your car. Like, I don't. Logic. It's a sedan. <laughs> and I saved the most extra account for last. Ooh, yes. And of course, it happens in Louisiana. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man, this cracked me up. So, in a report published by the National Cryptid Society, so you know this is going to be good. The report comes from an area of Robeline, Robeline, Louisiana, in 1995 and concerns a witness who claims he was in a graveyard looking for paranormal phenomenon. The two of them armed with crosses and an M16. It's what? 
seems a bit Did extreme. Did it have silver bullets? <laughs> Did not specify. <laughs> well, damn. As they pushed forward into the cemetery, they allegedly heard strange growling noises and that witnesses describe this quote we shined our flashlights all over the graveyard it was small and enclosed by a fence i said it must be a dog tied over at the parsonage the church in the parsonage was about 500 feet away so i shined around my flashlight over and over into the corners of the graveyard i saw four fresh graves i don't think that's pertinent to the story but here we go they were apart from each other they had no flowers just two big graves and two small ones marked by four iron crosses as we went to explore, we heard the growling grow louder and louder. I said to my friend, is that a dog? Is it loose? I kind of felt a little safe knowing it would be <laughs> cute dog. <laughs> it's not a cute dog. It's a hellhound. <laughs> and my friend got the same feeling that growls sound like a Rottweiler's. They, uh, they chilled you to a bone. Oh, I've never known a Rottweiler that scared me. That's false. Yeah. Uh, we heard the snarling as we got a few feet from the grave. The growls were not part of the body. They were disembodied. And then I tried to rationalize it in my head. It is a couple of loose, mean dogs outside the gate. Of course. Is it a group of coyotes? But as we shine the light this time, we saw them. Two sets of glowing red eyes, not attached to a body. They were only three feet away and stood guard of those graves. My friend froze in fright and pushed me to the front. <laughs> He was crying about leaving his gun. And I said, your gun's not going to help us now. The dogs were vicious. And I said, whatever you do, don't run. I prayed for guidance. I had not been to church in many a year, but I knew what I was dealing with was straight from hell. I looked right at them. I showed them my cross and I said, I know what you are. And they snarled louder. <laughs> my friend was really upset and wanting his mama. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I demand in the name of Jesus Christ that you allow us to leave as we come in peace and alone. I demand this in the name of the son of man and the victor of all that is evil. I said that the son of man ruled over all evil, blah, blah, blah. And we slowly backed up and we got into past the gate and we were able to leave. I'm going to call bullshit on the entire story, but <laughs> points for creativity. I feel like I was just propagandized by the Catholic Church. I was really surprised when, like, the power of Christ compels you. <laughs> I mean, he had a cross. Was the M16 full of holy water? I don't know. It should have been. If it was, <laughs> then it's a valid argument. No. I just like, he's like, he wants to shoot it. And now he's crying for his mom. <laughs> Uh, so there's a lot of explanations behind the myths. In actuality, sightings of hellhounds or other demonic figures were often inspired by fears and some weather phenomenon. For example, the sightings in the, I'm probably saying this so wrong, the <laughs> looks like Bungay, are often attributed to massive thunderstorms that cause buildings to collapse. Lightning strikes might burn wooden structures or at least cause a few stones to fall from stone churches. And they would think that it was the devil's work. During the Black Shack sightings in 1577, the steeple at the Holy Trinity Church collapsed one night in a really terrible storm. And there were also scorch marks left on the north door. And people thought that that was the hellhounds, like claws. They were just lightning. Hmm. As for the devil's work, some people believe that the reported Black Shack sightings surrounded the steeple collapse. Um... 
stuck in people's minds because of the Reformation that was sweeping throughout Europe in that time. The Catholic Church may have been trying to scare people into staying within their church. Additionally, stories of scary black dogs could also spread to teach lessons. Parents might have used these stories to keep kids out of certain rooms or to stay in the house or not to touch strange dogs. And then uh, recently in 2013, which is not really that recently, but there was a giant dog skeleton that was unearthed in an abbey in England. And people are like, oh, we found it. There's the hellhound. But now (laughs) experts believe that it was just a really big Great Dane. And so, in the end, the Black Shuck is probably just a massive dog. Because in that area, you have Wolfhounds, St. Bernard's, Mastiffs, Newfoundlands, Great great Pyrenees. So, it was probably just a really, really big dog. And everybody in that time period was very superstitious. And the church is like, everything's taking you to hell. So, anyway. History ruining good spooky stories yet again. Hmm. Yeah. So, logic over overturns the spooky although i like to think people running away from like a mastiff mastiffs are like the sweetest animals on the planet and they're really like just love me (laughs) 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 but yeah like i had an english mastiff when i was a kid and that thing was like a horse so i could understand being terrified if you've never seen one or or if it's like an unusually large one Uh, we only had we had a husky sky dog was husky oh yeah She's one of those um, almost all white ones. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. And we had Troy. I don't know what Troy was. There's some kind of weird cylinder mutt, medium-sized dog with no tail. But (laughs) she always kind of looked a little bit like a collie. That's how Mm -hmm. I basically remember. What was it? Yeah. And, yeah, I can't imagine running away from a dog like that unless they were super intimidating or something. Yeah, and most of the stories they talk about, like, their hair's all matted. It's maybe it was just, like, a dog that had a really bad day. (laughs) 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 But they made up a lot of stuff, like, early Christian churches. You know, lots of of hellfire. Churches themselves were built to scare the shit out of you. Like, the doors are the, basically, the last judgment. So when you're walking into those churches, it's depicted of you being dragged to hell and you know, tortured for eternity to scare you. So I wouldn't put it past the church making shit up. <laughs> you hear that wind? You hear that thunder? That's a hellhound coming for you. Do some rosaries. That would be terrifying. Give us money. <laughs> yeah. <Free> yeah. Wine. <laughs> uh, yeah. Although, I mean, they're really big on pop culture. I think like Supernatural had hellhounds, Marina, um, that new Amazon show david tennant remember what is they have a hellhound he's really cute oh um good omens yeah good omens yeah just watched that actually really good it was really good and that hellhound could like turn into a cute little puppy um yeah it was interesting like the actual stories compared to what i've seen in pop culture completely different so that's really Mm -hmm. really interesting Although I have seen that, like, Supernatural has, like, historians and, like, experts on their team to make sure that most of the stories they do are some way, like, historically accurate. Like, their angels and stuff are actually very accurate when they did that season. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was really interesting. 
angels were very uh, vicious in the Bible. But yeah, they weren't nearly as uh benevolent. Yeah. As as the church tends to portray them. Mm-hmm. With the the white wings and the if anybody watches Lucifer on Netflix. <laughs> I need to watch Lucifer. that. I have not watched it yet. It's good. So, I quite enjoy it. I've seen <laughs> all but the last season. Okay, well, it got picked up by Netflix in the last season, and there mm-hmm. is nudity, and you see some butt. <laughs> you see a lot of butt. <laughs> yeah, I was a little sad, or I was worried, like, when, I can't remember what channel it was on originally, but when I canceled it, I was yeah. really that Netflix picked it up for at least one more season. I don't know if they'll do another, but okay. yeah. Well, conclusion. Because they watch. when it canceled, it left it so open. I'm like, oh, that's so frustrating. Hmm. When a show's no. like so much to offer. Yeah. Oh, that'd be an interesting episode too. Like actual like biblical stories. Some of those are dark. <laughs> Religion is fascinating. I know I laugh at some stuff, but I find it all just incredibly fascinating. Like, you know, like <laughs> Islam, like Jesus pops out as baby and talks and is like, hey, I'm a prophet. I'm not the Messiah, though. Like, that's just wild to me. There is a movie that I watched with my brother over the phone. Like, we called each other about this. It is a movie about the birth of Jesus. Uh, so it's the journey to get to Bethlehem. Oh. And it has uh, Keen and I think it's Keen and Peel. Oh. <laughs> as, a, as a it's an animated movie. Oh wow. <laughs> and they're hold on, let me pull it up. They're fun. It's, Mm-hmm. An animated movie where they do the voice of a sassy pigeon <laughs> that like follows Mary and Joseph through the desert. There's a donkey, like a horse bites someone. There's like an evil team of wolves that ends up being converted. It's fantastic. If not for the religion, for the fact that uh, there is a sassy animated pigeon back talking uh, the, the son of Christ. Oh, that is <laughs> I am writing that down. <laughs> Let me find it. I can, I can find it and send it to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I need to watch that. Man. Well, thank you for coming back for another episode. So glad to have you. This has been really fun. Yes, I really enjoyed this. I loved all your morbid <laughs> tidbits. I specialize. It's called The Star. The Star. Okay. The Star. It is animated. I watched it on, I believe, HBO. But you can find it on YouTube. <laughs> it was fantastic. There's, there's sassy camels. Oh, yes. A, there's a strong feminist camel. <laughs> I'm into it. I'm gonna watch that tomorrow. <laughs> yes. 
That sounds amazing. Oh, God. I love Cam Hill. They are so Damn. funny. All right, guys, you know what to do if you want to, you know, have extra content and watch us live and comment and be our friends. Join Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash historical I mean, that's for real. Like, we're really good friends with our Patreon now. At least I say we are. I it's think a little family. It's a little, it little family. It is. And then we also have merch that's shop.spreadshirt.com, and there will be some warrior whale merch coming. <laughs> yes. On all of those warrior whales. A little spear in its side. It's gonna happen. I'm gonna make it tomorrow. It's gonna it's gonna happen. <laughs> I'm picturing it kind of like almost like a Viking warrior. Yes. Um, I guess. or different nationalities like have a samurai one like choose your warrior and just different yes. ways from different countries oh, I love it <laughs> I was thinking more like a narwhal but I like your idea better I love narwhals when I had um, flashcards when I was learning about ABCs when I was little in was narwhal I always loved them Aww. yeah yes. <laughs> I have a glass on Etsy right now. It's like feeling stabby and it's a narwhal. <laughs> I'm so cute. Yes. Oh, man. All right. And email us your stories for our listeners' episodes, historicalafpod at gmail.com. Or if you just want to email us <laughs> corrections of pronunciations like Taru did, God bless you. Oh, well, how did what did she say? Uh, she pronounced that igloo place. Oh, cool. Do you, this- you know it? Uh, no. no, I didn't listen to it. I saw the email and then I forgot about it and I just remembered it at this moment. I'm so sorry, True. I love you. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. I will listen to it. I appreciate it. We, we didn't, I kind of didn't demand it last time I brought up the igloo. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what I was doing whenever it popped up and I was like, oh man, I'm so excited. And then something happened and I forgot, but. We need to put that on the group. Yeah. She's so cool. She's our first international. Oh, here it is. International Patreon. She's from Finland. Yeah. And she's super cool. Amazing. Oh, oh, here we go. We got it. Hi, it's Taru here. You talked about the Igloo Hotel in episode 56. And uh, I can tell you that... Uh, the name is pronounced Gokslautanen. Oh, I never so, would have done it. As I no. said, um, thanks a lot and catch you later. Bye-bye. Oh, I love you oh, so much. <laughs> I have never in a thousand years. So I would right. never have gotten that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, um, thank you so much, Ru. You make my thank heart Thank you so much. <laughs> I wish I could pronounce things. Oh, it just sounds so cool. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye, Zizi. Okay, bye.